Today, still in line with our theme, we are looking at the power of scriptural instruction. And everything we have been talking, all these, from January till now, has been what the Word of God is, what it does for us, what it can do in our lives. And I want to say that if at this stage nothing has happened in your life concerning the Word of God, it is not God's problem. It's not God who caused it. Because His Word is potent enough to do His work. Whatever He says His Word is able to do, He will always uh, do. And I want us to look at that uh, phrase, if I'm correct. The power of scriptural instruction. In physics, we say that power is the ability to do work. That is, you have the capacity to do something. And if we look at it in the terms of the, what we are looking at, we are looking at the intrinsic ability of the Word of God to perform what God says it should do in our lives. So when we are hearing the Word of God every day and God has a purpose, God is trying to tell us today that that Word has the capacity to carry out whatever He has sent it to do. I want us, apart from, let us get to the passage we read in the text, but I want us to first of all read Isaiah 55. I want us to get Isaiah 55 from verse 8. Okay, I'll read it. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it, without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seeds for the sower, and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That's God's testimony about his word. That each time he sends his word, the rain, when it falls, does not hang in the air. There is nothing that will make rain drop from heaven and hang in the air. It must get to the ground. And God is telling us that each time he sends his word, that that word has the capacity, that intrinsic ability to do what he has sent that word to do. That is God's testimony about his word. So the word of God itself has the power to do all that he has said he will do. Let's also read from Psalm 19. Psalm uh, chapter 19. Okay. I'm reading from verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. 
The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. And it goes on to say, more are they to be desired than gold. Yes, than much fine gold and all the other things. But I want you to see what God says concerning his word. That everything that he wants to achieve in us, whatever God wants to achieve in us, he has said, the method I will achieve it with is through my word. It is through this word that whatever I want to produce in a Christian, in my child, it is through this word. And in Hebrew again, we read about this uh, word again. He said that this word is quick and powerful. That is alive. That's what quick there means. He says it's alive. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. That it is capable to pierce into the heart and divide asunder the soul and the spirit and separate what is your own thought from his own thought and so be able to touch those things that people may not even see. Nobody may even know. But the word of God will get to those foundations and be able to handle the problem. So that's what God thinks about his word. And I don't think we should have another opinion about the word of God. And this morning, as we are looking at the power of scriptural instruction, how does the, what teaching, the teaching of the Word of God can do in our life? That's the essence of the topic. That's what the topic wants to impart. What can the teaching of the Word of God do in the life of a man? When the Word of God comes into your heart, the, 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 what that teaching will be able to achieve in our hearts. And the first thing we want to look at is, who is it that needs the instruction? I don't want to uh, look at all the other things about uh, uh, what does instruction mean. All of us know that if you have to write an exam and say, they say this is the instruction. If you leave the instruction and write another thing, that is the first pathway to failure. I mark chemistry. Sometimes when we say, answer three questions, and you go and answer four. Sometimes the examiners will say, because you did this, just mark the first three. Even if you get 20 over 20 in the last one, don't score anything. Just score the first three. So instructions are important. And the instructions we take in the word of God, we want to see what power does it have on us. The first thing we want to look at is, who needs the scriptural instruction. Who needs the scriptural instruction, the teachings of the word of God, the, 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 the direction that the word of God gives us? Who is it that needs it? Is it the person by the wayside who doesn't come to church? Or is it people of other religion? Or the priest? Or anybody? Who is it that needs the Scriptural instruction. I want us to read Second Timothy chapter two verse six.
2 Timothy 2, 6. 2 Timothy 2, verse 6. 6. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Yes. The hard-working farmer should be the first partaker of his crops. All of us who read the Bible, who understand the Bible, the Bible is telling us that me, me, not another person, like this uh, topic now, God wants me to be the first person that the word of God affects. Not that others will not benefit from it, but the first person that God wants to speak to as you are reading the word of God is not for you to use and teach a group of people somewhere. You, me, is the first person. I should be the first partaker. Because many of us receive the word of God as the traffic policeman. You know the way the traffic policeman works. The vehicle is coming this way. Say, go there. And you, you go there. You, you go there. You, you go there. Nothing comes to him. And some of us begin to handle the word of God like that. And when you are reading something and God speaks, you say, hey, if only my sister would have read this thing now, it would have touched her life greatly. It would have changed that her stubborn nature. God is speaking to me first. Me. It's not another person. And some of us, when we are in this church and the word of God is touching us, like last week and last two weeks, we were talking about marriage and some people were wishing, ah, if only my husband was here, if only my wife was here. And there is something God is telling you, you have not handled it and you're wishing another person or another husband or another wife is here. The first person that partakes of this instruction is the husband man, the person unto whom God gives instruction from his word. So we should not push off the word of God to another person. The second person that the instruction that God gives us, we should also pass on to, is our children. Our children. Proverbs 22 verse 6 tells us, Train up a child in the way he will go. And when he grows up, what will happen? He will not uh, depart from it. And that's where we relate to the passage we read in Proverbs chapter 1. My son, when sinners entice you, when sinners call you and say, come, let's go, let's do this. That tells us that whether or not we know it, there are other foundations somewhere that want to speak into your child's life. There are so many other people, instructions. I don't know how many of you have heard of the book that uh, Oprah Winfrey wrote recently. She called it, uh, My Discussions with God. And she was trying to say so many things that were unscriptural. And these children come across these things. There are so many other instructions coming, asking them, come and throw in your lot with us. And so if your own instruction is not already in the heart of that child. If your own seed is not there already, growing, the child will have a choice to make. You know, the, the, a farmer was once, a, a gardener who had a very beautiful farm, was asked, he said, why is your 
uh, why are your flowers so good and there are no weeds? There are no, you don't even have problem with the weeds overgrowing. The farmer said, no, I don't give the weed a chance. If the weed has a chance, it will come in. I planted and planted and planted and closed all the holes. And so there is no opportunity for the weed to come in. So if you, if you leave the opportunity for the weed in the heart of our children, they go out and the, the devil who already has his own seed will be sowing. We'll be sowing. And quite a number of us, we don't have time. We don't have time. It's just our morning devotion. We finish with our morning devotion. We don't take time again to sit down. But when we come to how Jesus taught, we will look at some of the methods of passing this instruction to the to our children. Praise the Lord. Another group of people that needs scriptural instructions from those who have received. Because scriptural instructions does not mean read my lips. This is the way it is said. It's not the way it's lived. Whoever you are giving a scriptural instruction. That's why we said first of all that the first partaker is me. Whoever you are giving a scriptural instruction is also looking at the fact that oh, you have partaken of it. If you have not experienced, if you have not taken in what you are teaching a child, what you are teaching another new convert, it means that you are telling the person do as I say, but not as I do. That is not scriptural instruction. So, young converts, People who have just come into the faith, who have believed the Lord Jesus Christ, and are looking up to other people, looking at other Christians to see what our lives are. What, what can, can they get from our own lives? You know, in Hebrews chapter 10, I think verse 14, the Bible said something. It said, because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever. Those who are being made holy. Does that make any sense to you? Jesus by his sacrifice has made us perfect. But he said those he has made perfect are being made holy. That is, there is a process to bring them. It's just like a small child that is made, uh, an oversized dress is made for. Jesus saved us, made an oversized dress of perfect righteousness and gave us. And we are wearing it. And our hands are loose inside it. We don't completely fit in. It is the scriptural instructions we give that we bring the, 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 the Christian into that mature size that now fits into that gown of Christ's righteousness. So it's not that, oh, I'm born again. And Christ has said, I'm perfect. And so you are perfect. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that by his sacrifice, he has made us perfect. Fine. Before God, it is credited unto us that these people are perfect. But they are being made holy. How? It is through scriptural instructions that that will be achieved. Praise the Lord. Other people we come in contact with at work, they need it. So many people are groping in darkness, just looking for the way here and there. 
and they don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They don't even know where to get help. I was sitting in, in where I went to type something one day, and a young girl came and told the, the other girl, there were two. The other one was talking with him. He said eh, that the other girl was saying, and they were just talking. So I asked the girl, do you go to church? She said, hey, now that she goes to church, that they pray in their church. I said, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus. She said, no. So we talked a little and I told her that if you know Jesus, you don't need to go to one woman somewhere. You will find help yourself by looking into the word of God and finding out what he wants you to do. And that's how many people are. They are looking for help. And so when you come across such people, God is also expecting that through you, God will drop a word of instruction into their hearts. Praise the Lord. So And so many other people around us who who are looking for help, God will want us to use us. We want to use us to help people, to teach people, and direct the lives of men and women. Teaching is a very, very important aspect of life. You know, many of us, we are this, we are that, we are this, we are that. But without your teacher, you can't be anything. So, it is the teaching that we give in the, from the Word of God that helps build lives, that reconstructs life, and presents us perfect in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. I want to talk about the methodology of scriptural instruction. We have all come to see that it is necessary that we give spiritual, uh, scriptural instruction to people, to our children, to ourselves. Because if we don't do, other foundations will speak. But how we teach is also very, very important. How we teach and what we teach. What we teach cannot be anything but the word of God. But how do we teach these scriptures? How do we pass on this message so that we don't scare people away or we don't create a false impression of what God is not saying from his word? We are going to look at the style Jesus himself used. And one of the things that Jesus did was that Jesus taught his disciples by parables. Parables. You can remember quite a number of things he said. Through parables. He will say this. He will say this. He will also find a suitable parable and illustrate it. And that's what I was saying earlier that when we do our morning devotion, many families is just in that morning and we get the word of God, we read, people contribute, we share, and my neighbor will say they will have an interactive Bible study and try to extend it. But beyond that, we need to use the examples of life that these children go through every day to bring in the scriptures. To bring in the scriptures. 
they will say, uh, Jesus will say, uh, like when they asked him, what, 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 what is going to happen at the end? He will not just attack the question like that. He will find a suitable parable and teach them. He, he brought daily experiences. A sower went to sow. He brings things that they know. Things that are in tandem with every day. And they see it. And he makes the message come in very clearly. He makes the message very clear to the especially children who wants to use some of these stories and go home into their own heart and remember it. Another example that Jesus used was that he used repetition. He kept teaching the same thing. He would say it this way. He would say it another way. He kept repeating. And the rule of repetition is that by the time you keep repeating, it will sink into the heart. Some of us will say, I've told him. If he doesn't want to hear, let him not hear. But we need to repeat Especially to the children. Especially to the children. They need to hear it over and over again. Another method that Jesus used, which I want to emphasize, is that Jesus taught by principles. Jesus taught by principles. He doesn't just attack the issue from the outside and leave it like that. You know, when the, the Pharisees came and said, why are your disciples not uh, washing their hands before they eat? Jesus would have just told them, you people should go. If they don't wash their hands, of what use is that? But he took up an illustration and said, it is not what comes out, enters the man, that is a problem to that man. It is what comes from uh, within. And he made sure he, he extended it. So that from that moment, the disciples are no longer bothered that it is not just um, it is that I didn't wash my hand. They now know that it is from the heart that the problem originates. When they were struggling about uh, leadership, Peter's, uh, uh, John and, uh, James and John's mother came and said, Please, I want my children to be at your right hand and at your left hand. And the others were indignant. He could have just told them, look, Peter, you people should not bother about those things. Don't worry yourself. I will, I will, I will handle it. It's not the person who says he will be there that will be there. Don't worry. And he closes the matter. No. But he knew that there is a fundamental problem that was bringing it. And so he called them and sat them down and taught them what the world will now call servant leadership. Do you want to be a leader? This is the pathway. If you want to do the other one, it is the way the Gentiles do it. They lord it over their people. But if you want to lead here, you must uh, serve. And that's the way Jesus taught practically everything. He goes to the foundation. He goes to the foundation. When we teach new converts, when we teach our children, many of us make the mistake of thinking that after I've been a Christian for over 30 years and I bring a young convert today, 
and I'm teaching that person. I want to teach her in such a way that she suddenly becomes like me and, you know, do everything just the way I do it. It is not possible. It's not possible. In short, if you do that, if it's a child or somebody who repented and wants to please you, he will just carry a cloak and put on. You know, cover up. Anything you want him to do that time, he will do it. And people will look at him and say, hey, this brother has learnt. Hey. But when he goes back, he will be himself. He will be himself. There was this story of a, a student that the teacher forced to write an imposition. Uh, the, the, she, he spoke a wrong grammar and said, yesterday I have went. So the teacher said, no, it's yesterday I went. So you will write it 1,000 times before you go from school today. So the teacher sat down and was, the student was writing, 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 writing. So after, she said, what number are you? She said, he, the student told her. So she went out just to share pleasantry with another teacher. By the time she was coming back, the student had finished, waited for her, and she didn't come up. So the student said, dropped a note for her and said, Auntie, I have finished yesterday, writing yesterday I went, and now I have went. <laughs> so no learning has occurred. No learning has occurred. He just succeeded in obeying the teacher and then going his way. So but learning occurs as you let this person understand the basic principle of what you are asking the person to do. You know, Jesus will not come and tell people, all of you who come late, all of you who come late, you are an annoying God and you will go to hell. He will find out that you are coming late because you don't have a reverence for God. That's why you come late. You don't have reverence for God. Because I, I, well, I, as I, I'm working with raw materials research and development cancer. And one day we went to see Governor Pitobi. And uh, by the time we are coming, they said, if you don't arrive 30 minutes before the time, you won't see His Excellency. And all of us were there. 30 minutes before the time. And if you are seated there, no phones, nothing. Why are they doing that? They reverence Him. They want to honor the governor. They don't want anybody to insult him that when he's talking, you are, you're listening to your phone, you're pressing your phone. The reason you're doing it is because you don't have the right picture of God. And so when you're teaching, you, if you teach, if you threaten somebody, if you teach and make the person fear, the person will fear and do it while you're there. But when you are gone, the person will be her, his or her real self. And that's why in follow-up we emphasize that we want to let you understand why you are doing what you are doing. If you are a child of God and we are trying to tell you that you are not going to marry an unbeliever, we are not telling you that if you marry an unbeliever, your home will be katakata and all that. But we are trying to make you understand that God has chosen you and separated you. God has made you a special person. And if you are so cleanly dressed, why do you need to go and model yourself again in the mud? Why do you want to go and mess your life up again? So 
Jesus taught by principles. He, he, he went down to the root of the problem. And that's the way scriptural instruction brings fruits. Many churches, when we go there, you will find that it's threats that they issue to people. They want people to conform to a, partic- a particular look, a particular standard. And so people get to that point, get conformed, and they are not transformed. They are not transformed. They don't have the, the, the reason. They don't understand God. They have no experience of the world to, to do whatever they are asking, they are, they are trying to do. And so inside, some people are even bitter. That, why should I even be doing this? Why am I doing this thing? They just forced me to be doing it. I shouldn't be doing it. That's not scriptural instruction. And it's not also come as you are and remain as you are and just do whatever you like. That's not it. When you are hearing the word of God, the word of God, God has testified, is, is powerful enough that it can never come back to him void. It will never return to him without accomplishing that for which it was sent forth. So when you are hearing the word of God and you are in this church, we are in this church and the word of God is going on, what does it do to your heart? What does it do to our heart? Do we just hear and feel, "Mm, well, let it be now. The word of God has gone out. How was it today? Very fine. Oh, the word of God just went forth. What is it doing in my life? What is it? I believe it's going to do something. But is it doing something in our lives? It's up to us. It's not just that we come here and we are, uh, at the end of the day, we are, we are gone. And no. And I can see that, to some extent, the word of God is having its effect in our life. I remember that the chaplain came, came back from Haggai Institute. And by then, the church was like what we call Mura Everybody to your tents, O Israel. And everybody to himself and God to every man. But by the time we went through the theme of love, because that was the fundamental problem, nobody cared about who is who and where you are living. What is your interest? I don't care. Wherever you live, you can live there. Whatever is your problem, you can do. But is it still like that today? It's no longer like that. You may still think that there are some issues here and there, but it was not like that by 2012, 2013, that 2012, that we were at different ends. So it is the word of God that is the fundamental tool that will change a person. So if you give the word of God, what is your lot now? What do you do as a person? Do you give the word of God and you start fretting? What is the attitude of the teacher? What do you do when you have taught the word of God? You have to teach in faith. You have to teach in faith. Many of us, when we just teach somebody once, twice, say, oh, this person is not responding. He's not responding. I don't like that. That is, this follow-up is difficult. People are not responding. I've been visiting, I've visited. He is not responding. Teach in faith. Teach in faith. That, that word of God is like capsule. When it enters the body, it has to do what? Uncap itself and then begin to do the work. Antibiotic, we know, starts from inside. Not the Nigerian antibiotic that sometimes you finish taking and nothing happens. And I'm talking of genuine drug. 
it will have to start from inside to attack, attack the problem. So when we teach, we should teach in faith. We shouldn't think that, oh, until the person immediately starts showing that, I have learnt it, I have learnt it, I have learnt it. Then we now say, okay, uh, everything is alright. No. Believe that the Lord is doing what he says he will do with his word in the life of men. In the life of our children. And uh, if I have to give an example with my own life. When I was in the University of Nigeria, I, I came to Christian Union one day. And uh, the topic was uh, absolute surrender. I said, look at these people. Oh. They want me to have the, the teaching absolute surrender. The one I've surrendered before is not enough. I just carried my Bible and went. I didn't want to hear it. I, don't, I was not interested in going beyond where I was then. But here am I today. I, I teach absolute surrender myself. So it's not, it's not that immediately you are just doing it. It will happen automatically. Teach in faith. Praise the Lord. Another attitude is that we should teach in love. We should teach our, whoever we are teaching, our children especially. My son recently told my sister that me and you and mommy has, has this love for shouting. Have love for shouting. You know? So I'm learning not to shout. I'm learning to teach in love. So that the, the recipient of my teaching will be in a mood to hear it. Because that my son, if you just start shouting, there's this resignation on his face. Well, You've made up your mind, so go ahead and talk. And that's what, what many people do. So if, if you don't have the attitude of love, people will just say, okay, I know what he wants to say. I'm not getting it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's okay, thank you. Uh-huh. And here we go. So, but God is looking up to us to use the attitude of love and bring this person home. Some of us look at some people and uh, the way they behave. We don't like it. Let's not talk about it. Pray. And one day, just call this person. Ask. Everybody. And the child relaxes. Why are you wearing this? So we should... Learn that attitude of love. To pass scriptural instruction means that we get the attitude of the person who has the word that we want to teach. If Jesus has dealt with us without love, I'm sure none of us will be here. None of us will be here. Because he, he looks at us and knows that we are but flesh. We are but frail. There's nothing, we, we, we can't do all the things that he has expected us to do immediately. And yet, gradually, he takes us on. He keeps picking us up, cleaning us, and say, go on. I am your father. Praise the Lord. We should also teach. I've mentioned not teaching with threats. Because if you threaten, people will hear it and just conform for you to leave them to rest. And then we need to teach with prayers. I want to just look at the parable of the sower before I conclude. Matthew 13. The parable of the sower. Jesus said about that parable, If you understand this, you will understand 
everything. So he said, I will start from where he explained what that parable means. From verse 18. He said, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on the rocky places is the man who hears the word of God and has no roots. He lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Praise the Lord. So that's the parable of the sower. Jesus taught that parable. And he said, as you're teaching... As you are giving out the word of God, even as this one is going now, some don't understand it. Some don't remember. And some don't have enough roots. Some are choked by the issues of life. And few fall into good grounds, ready to produce truth. And the Lord asked a question. If you have a land that has thorns, what do you do to that land? Are you going to throw away the land? Especially those of us who know the worth of land in Enugu. You will just say, that land is filled with thorns. I'm not going to go there again. Let it just go. Is it what you're going to do? If you have a rocky soil, uh, soil that has rocks in it, are you going to leave that rock and say, let this rock just, let this land just go. I'm not going to plant there again. Anybody can even take it. I'm not interested. Is that what you're going to do? I'm sure all of us here will go into that land, try and clear the tongues, try and remove everything, try and remove the hindrances to the world, and then plant. That's what God expects us to do. Maybe at the stage your children is, or your people around you are, they already have rocky surfaces. They have thorns choking the world. There is nothing that you plant in that situation like that, that it will grow. God is expecting that we prayerfully should go to these plots of land, these hearts of men and weed and remove the rock, and remove the thorns, and break the fallow grounds. Break up the fallow grounds, so that the word of God can fall on a good heart. Can fall on a good heart. And perhaps you are here. All the things that we have been saying, preach the word or preach it down, you don't understand it. The Lord is going to give you understanding. The Lord is going to open your heart, because... When you, I don't think there's anybody who will truly understand the gospel that we reject it. 
That's what I think. Nobody who truly understands the gospel that we reject it. You know, this songwriter said that Jesus was, it was in the process of rescuing us that he placed his life on the line. We were in trouble and he was just trying to rescue us. And he placed his life on the land, on the line. So nobody, no, 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 no sane human being who understands the word of God, who understands the truth about the gospel, will resist that word. And that's why I know that if you are here and you have not given your life to Christ, even if you know that, okay, I'm not ready to give my life to Christ now. You can stand up. Let's pray for you. So that God will give you understanding. You have been hearing. You have been listening to the word of God. Time and time again. But it doesn't make impact. This is an opportunity for you. To hear. From the inner man. And hearing means that. You become sincere with yourself. I don't know what you people are talking about. I don't understand it. This is an acceptable time. This is the hour of salvation. We cannot be talking of you teaching another person the word of God or being taught or teaching your own children. When you, when I, when we have not properly received the word. If you have not known Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is the opportunity. And as we pray now, I want you to stand up. You are standing up, not because you want to show us that, oh, you want to just fulfill our righteousness. Jesus himself was not ashamed when he hung on the cross. And if you are ashamed to stand up, to give your life to him, he says he will be ashamed of you before the Father who is in heaven. This morning, as we bow our heads to pray, to ask God for grace. Can you stand up and yield your life to Jesus? Just as I am with a swampy thy blow wash inside your hearts you are aware that if something happened now and you were to die you are not sure of where you will be begin to talk to God is there anybody here 
who within him is not really sure that this word of God is as true as it is stated. Begin to talk to God. Ask the Lord to open your hearts and your eyes to see the truth in the word of God. If we listen to the sermon, we are clearly instructed before we teach others to first of all take in the word. How is your Bible study life? Where do you hinge your confidence in prayers? Where do you get guidance to solve the problems of daily living? Begin to talk to God. The word of God says that if we ask, we will receive. At this time, tell him God, I want to prove your word. I want to prove your word in that naughty situation of my life. I want to have an evidence that your word is true. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Father, like little children we come before you at different levels of understanding. We do not presume to have understood. And we pray, O Heavenly Lord, that you will touch our lives and open our eyes and break down the fellow grounds of our hearts that your word will become living in us. Help us, O Heavenly Father, we pray. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray.